Today on CityCast Denver, propositions, initiated ordinances, referred questions, what does it all mean? Today on the show, I sit down with my producer, Paul Caroli, to take a deeper look at the Denver ballot measures, and we do our best to explain what we're voting on and why it matters. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Bree. So Denver voters have three citywide initiatives and four referred questions on their ballots this election. And we thought it would be helpful to run through them and talk about how exactly they could reshape our city. Sound like a plan? Sounds great. Sounds great. Cool, cool. Okay. So let's start with Initiative 305, which backers call No Eviction Without Representation. And I know the goal of this initiative is to help people who are at risk of eviction. Um, How exactly would No Eviction Without Representation work? Well, when I think about this one, I think about the the grassroots group of activists who's been working on evictions and eviction defense um, in Denver, but also as part of this nationwide network for many years now. Um, And so this concept, this no eviction without representation concept, it comes from that nationwide collaboration. Like they've already passed this in other cities, like Boulder, for example, has had this on the book since 2020. Um, But specifically what it would do would be charge property owners $75 a year per unit that they rent out to contribute to a fund that would pay for eviction legal defense. And the activists uh, have identified this particular intervention because they think that the best way to combat homelessness is to provide legal defense for people facing eviction um, who typically don't even know that they are they have access to it or let alone funding to pay for it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of... There's data out there that says keeping people housed is the best way to keep folks from becoming homeless, which seems like a no brainer. But like that whole process of evicting somebody not only removes someone from housing, but also can screw up your credit and make it really hard for you to get a place. And we know in in competitive markets like Denver, um, having a good credit rating is a big part of it. Also, having a security deposit, all of these things that come along with getting a new apartment again can be very detrimental to somebody, especially who's maybe been on the margins or been in a transitional housing situation. So I I see, I see how this could work. And I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I mean, I know you and I, this is something you and I care about, but what do you think of the, the, the politics around this? Do you have a sense of where people stand on this one? I mean, I think that groups like this are it's a nat- like you were saying, it's a national movement to f- basically force the hand of cities who aren't doing enough to keep people housed. And it's been a problem for the last decade, very visibly. It's been a problem for a long time. But I think the fact that um, the people kind of stepped up and said, we have to do something because our cities are not doing enough to keep people housed. And so, I, I mean, we've had the no eviction folks on the show before. I think they've made some great points as to like why this is so important for us to care about whether we're housed or not. I think that's a big thing to me. And I also think if you're a person or a corporation that owns housing, it's okay that you need to spend a little extra of that money that you're making off of somebody to make sure that there's availability for them to defend themselves if they get evicted because evictions also cost a lot of money and uh, landlords tend to have the upper hand. Right. That makes sense. So other than you, Bree, 
who uh, who else supports this one? You know, uh, lots of progressive candidates in various races across the state, uh, plus local politicians like uh, Councilwoman Candy Sedabaca, House Rep Jennifer Bacon, uh, groups like Nine to Five Colorado, ACLU, Atlantis Community supports it, which is important to me because they're the first independent uh, housing provider for folks with disabilities in the country. So they know. And I think if we look at the crossover between folks who are homeless and folks who are disabled, that's a huge there's a there's a huge crossover there. Mm -hmm. How about um, how about the opposition? I mean, I I assume apartment associations and landlords and property owners are against this. But are there any surprises there? No, no, there are not. Um, Mm -hmm. Apartment Association of America, Apartment Association of Metro Denver. Uh, What's important to note about those is they represent land owners. They don't represent tenants. So it's the people that own the buildings, not the people that rent. Because apartments, uh, people that own apartments, they're not in the business of housing people. Like, they're in the business of making money. Shall we move on? Yep. So... Speaking of things that landlords generally oppose, we're going to talk about Initiative 306, which is the recycling one. Um, You know, I spoke with uh, Ian Thomas DeFoya about this a few weeks ago, and he's one of the backers of 306, also known as Waste No More. And um, for listeners who may have missed that episode, Paul, how does Initiative 306 work? Well, Initiative 306 is... uh aimed to help solve a big problem that Denver has, which is that our diversion rate, the amount of waste we divert from landfills to recycling and compost is very, very low relative to other cities. We're terrible at recycling. Uh, We only recycle or compost like 26% of our waste. Um, So what this uh, initiative would do would be to complement the steps taken by city council earlier this year, Um, which uh, are going to be implemented in January and it's going to require homeowners to, you know, pay for trash, whereas recycling and composting will be free. Um, So this initiative complements that by targeting uh, property owners and it requires uh, all businesses to offer recycling and for those who sell food to also offer composting options starting in 2023. Okay. When you say that, I think a restaurant right? That would be somebody who's affected mm-hmm. by this. Who else is mm-hmm. affected by this? Oh, I mean, giant apartment buildings, that, hence the connection with the landlords. We're talking about music festivals. We're talking about, I mean, all businesses, every business. And I thought the interesting part I thought was construction sites, because if you drive or wander around Denver anywhere, giant dumpsters all over the city are, I mean, anywhere that's getting scraped, which is a lot of places, goes right into the dump, which goes to the landfill. Yeah, I didn't realize that um, that construction waste was such a huge contributor to landfills, but it really is apparently. it was. I was just always assuming it was a problem based on how much construction is ongoing here. Um, Brie, let's talk about the politics of trash on this one. It doesn't seem like this measure is going to be particularly expensive. seems like mostly it's going to be enforcement costs for the city. Um, what do opponents have to say about it? Well, I saw a representative of the Colorado Home Builders Association, which is like the people who build housing. Um, their issue with it, at least on the surface, is that there is nowhere to recycle construction materials to begin with. So hmm. you can force them to do it. But their argument is we don't have anywhere that takes what we have. 
And that would be, I, I mean, I can't imagine if you're knocking down a hundred year old house, what that has in it, or maybe, you know, asbestos remediation. I have no idea what it entails, but I could see where it would be complicated to disassemble a house and figure out how to recycle all those things. My argument to those people would be, you should figure that out. It should be part of your business. <laughs> if we're building more housing in Denver and we're trying to be aware of our climate issues and actually tackle them, this should be part of continuum of building housing mm -hmm. um so other opponents uh, anyone other than apartment owners i mean there was not many hmm. if any i didn't see any really the the supporters of it are again pretty left-leaning denver democrats colorado working families party the sierra club probably one of the biggest environmental organizations in the country so i, I don't know i mean i think i think it's gonna pass but i don't know who says no to recycling This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Should we talk 307? Yes, 307, Denver deserves sidewalks. So we talked to Molly McKinley from the Denver Streets Partnership about this initiative, and they're the organization behind it. What did we learn from Molly? Well, we learned that this is their latest effort to combat um, the, the poor condition of sidewalks in Denver, which is another one of our big citywide problems. Many sidewalks are crumbling. Um, even some places in the city, there just aren't sidewalks. You know, who hasn't seen one of those pictures online where the sidewalk just ends? Maybe there's a bus stop 50 feet ahead. You know, this is it's just bad for any number of reasons. It's bad for everybody, everybody who likes to walk and get around, um, not in a car. Um, so what this measure would do would shift responsibility for maintaining sidewalks from property owners, which is where it is now and probably why it no one's doing any maintaining <laughs> sidewalks to the city. Um, and it would also levy a new fee on property owners to pay for repairs and sidewalk construction. And that's where things get a little controversial because the, the cost, uh, the way that they're, they're calculating it would be based on linear feet of sidewalk for property owners. So for what they call the typical property owner, like a homeowner with 50 linear feet of sidewalk outside their home, it would cost about $107.50 per year. Whereas Councilman Kevin Flynn pointed out a few weeks ago, some property owners who say live on a corner lot like me, could pay much, much more. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year, more than $1,000 per year in some cases. I, I'm glad you brought up uh, Councilman Flynn's uh, concern because his neighborhood, I mean, the majority of his district, Bear Valley, is similar to your neighborhood, Paul, in that it's like post-war suburban larger lots, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, compared to my house built in 1938, who's probably got that 50-foot stretch right in front, and that's it. But I can imagine some of those 
houses, especially in Bear Valley, that's a lot more. And I could see where they would bear a bigger cost or burden in this. And as a council person, you want to be paying attention to what would impact your constituency most. Um, One note on that, actually, because there is one um, exception for certain neighborhoods uh, that are vulnerable to gentrification. um, And that's uh, those property owners get a 20% discount. So property (laughs) owners in like... East Colfax, Elyria, Swansea, Westwood, Montbello, they just pay less or they would pay less. I was like, what neighborhoods aren't vulnerable to displacement other than like Bonnie Bray (laughs) and the country club? You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, I, uh, this is a tough one because it's, it's really important. So I'd love to talk about, first of all, who supports it. Um, Mm -hmm. There's some surprising folks here. The Cross Disability Coalition supports it. Bicycle Colorado supports it. Yimby Denver and AAA Colorado support it, which was interesting to me because I would say that AAA Colorado generally represents car drivers. So I I was surprised, but also like maybe happily surprised that they were supporting it. And then uh, there's no organized opposition. The The only thing I found was that was Flynn's comments on why he's not why he doesn't think it's the best solution. And to be fair, I don't think he thinks it's not a solution. He thinks it's a kind of an extreme option to where we are now. Yeah. That's the that's the trick with this one is like everyone kind of agrees on the problem, but it's this particular proposal that we're voting on, not like do we want to do something about sidewalks, which I think everybody agrees we sh- really should change something. Yeah, and I I'm frustrated that it's continually going to be the property owner's problem because not because I'm a property owner, but because we have whole funding sources uh, dedicated to roads but we don't have the same for sidewalks and we never have. It's always been a property owner issue. Um, I'm happy to pay it, but I do wonder about people like you, Paul, who have a way bigger lot than I do. That kind of sucks. It does kind of suck. It does kind of suck. I don't know how I feel about this one yet, to be I honest. Don't, I'm still on the fence about it too, although I, ho- I wholeheartedly support Denver Streets Partnership for even trying to take this on. I mean, this is a people's initiative and they're trying to fix a problem that impacts a lot of folks um, in ways that maybe those of us that drive a lot don't realize. So I don't know where I am on this one either. Yeah. Well, shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into the referred questions portion of the ballot and we're going to start with 2i. What is 2i, Paul? Okay, so this one relates to library funding. Um, So typically the way the city funds libraries is through the general fund. Every year it's a different amount. In 2022, I found the library received $54.6 million from the general fund. Um, What this would do would be, uh, it would increase the mill levy by 1.5 on Denver property taxes, which means about $4 per month for the average homeowner would pay into this new fund to, to fund our libraries. And that would allow Denver Public Libraries to both fund current operations and add services like you know technology for patrons who lack internet access, uh, job hunt resources, you know, bringing libraries back to normal hours in evenings and weekends. You know, they have still been on limited hours since the pandemic began. I don't yeah. know, Bree. What do you think about how we fund our libraries in this in this measure? I mean, I feel like listeners of the show know I'm like a library aficionado. <laughs> I'm like the biggest cheerleader for the library because I see the benefits to our civic life um, and our emotional health and our everything. To me, how we treat our library says a lot about our 
our city. And um, I think it would be wonderful. I know, I mean, I guess I just know librarians. I know so many librarians that go out of their way to do incredible work for the community every day. And if they had some stability in how much funding this or this this entity in our city was getting, I think they could do even more. I mean, I know it's like deferred maintenance projects, uh, better pay for librarians. Um, on the consumer side, they want to keep libraries open later. Like there are no libraries open after 6 p.m. Like they want to provide these things for the city. And and that's the thing that's really incredible about the library is you as a person, a Denverite, will see the direct result of the library getting more consistent funding if you wander into the library anytime. And so it's a no-brainer for me. I would I, I, I think that the library deserves for the amount of um, services that they provide our community, they deserve a bigger stream of funding and a more consistent stream of funding. Hmm. Have you seen any opposition? No, there is no organized opposition. Um, hmm. Supporters of it, uh, six library sitting council- haters out yeah, there. I, I'm just like, who hates the library? Actually, I shouldn't ask that question because I have asked that question and had sad results. Um, six council members, like, who are kind of across the board ideologically when it comes to politics and policy all support this. I'm thinking like council people like Torres, Clark, Kanish, Ortega. Um, I think some school board members are supporting it. Denver Foundation, Denver Democrats, Colorado Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, League of Women Voters. This seems like a, an easy, let's do it. Okay, so we've got a couple more referred questions. We're going to talk about 2J and 2K together because they're pretty similar. Paul, what are these about? So these two are both like kind of like twisted relics of Tabor. Um, so Denver voters approved a couple of taxes um, years ago, one on climate and one on homelessness. Um, so because we, we those, those taxes actually collected a little bit more money than expected, Tabor requires the city to then ask ask us, the taxpayers, if they can keep that money and, and contribute it back to the same purpose that we already voted for. Oh, okay. You said Tabor and I was like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Doug Bruce. Okay. So it's <laughs> Yeah, kind I can't of... imagine that people are going to say no to this one. I mean, we already said yes to it, to both. It's, it's like something we've already voted on. We're just like reaffirming it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So finally, we have two L. Uh, which deals with our elections themselves. What would change with 2L? 2L's, um, 2L's like a suite of minor tweaks to elections to make them more streamlined, easier to understand. And, you know, who who can't relate to that right now with the size of the ballot that we're looking at and how confusing it is? Seriously. Um, but it would be um, it would like require initiatives to contain only one subject. It would uh, update deadlines for candidate nominations to match mail-in ballot procedures. Lots of like small procedural tweaks that the clerk and recorder's office has requested. Okay, I mean we've had Clerk Lopez on the show several times. He's super interested in making voting easier, more accessible. Uh, sort of like maybe cleaning up a little bit of this archaic stuff that was happening behind the scenes. I don't see why we would not vote for that. <laughs> Sounds yeah, this great. This is another one where I really can't imagine it not passing. Yeah. Paul, what do you what are your overall what's your overall take on this election? We're dealing with a lot of very uh things that will impact us directly and we're being asked to pay some money. 
yeah, I think that's the big story here is what, what are Denverites appetites for, for spending more on government services? Are people feeling too much of a pinch from the economy right now? Or, or are we willing to invest in the future of our city? And I think that's what, that's what I'll be looking for next week when the results come in for all these measures. Yeah, it's a tough call to me. Like I was saying earlier this week, I spent $300 on groceries for two people and a baby. Oof. And I can't imagine, I mean, I I have a, a pretty healthy grocery budget and I know that's not true for everyone. So I can't imagine having to make these decisions now on top of all the other things that we're paying for. But at the same time, I see the benefits for us as a community and a city uh, now and in the future. So it's it's really a tough call, but I hope that we make the right decisions. I don't know. We'll see you on Tuesday. Okay, we will. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Bree. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your landlord about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Am I entered? I only see Hey Paul. There's no Hey Bree, so I'm not sure where. <laughs> Who starts? <laughs> I can't wait for your surprise intro.